When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keating. I'm joined this morning by the brilliant Umar Chowdhury from the Arsenal Way. Uh, Umar, there's plenty for us to get stuck into as ever. Uh, we'll come on to some of the bigger fixtures that lie in wait this week. Obviously, the return of the Champions League tonight. Arsenal take on Manchester City and a potential title decider, or the first of two potential title deciders, I should say, in, in quick succession. Uh, tomorrow and Chelsea, obviously, in Champions League action as well. Then we've got Man United against Barcelona in the Europa League. So plenty to look forward to this week. However, we are going to start with a little review instead. Uh, and the reason why we're doing this on a Tuesday this week is because the Merseyside derby did take place on Monday night. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't a blue Monday for Liverpool, more a red Monday uh, instead as they won 2-0 thanks to goals from Mohamed Salah and a first for Cody Gakpo. But Umar, is that the kind of win, not necessarily the performance, but beating your fierce rivals in a derby that might galvanise Liverpool's season given what's gone before and how miserable it has been up to this point? Potentially, yeah. Um, first of all, happy to be joined on um, on this show by yourself, Ned. But yeah, potentially, I think um, I think in the first 20 or 30 minutes, if I'm honest, it seemed like a mid-table clash. Um, it seemed like there was not much going for either teams. However, that counter-attack Liverpool showcased um, from, from Everton's corner, I think, was sensational. It was the Liverpool of old. Um, in past seasons when you had Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah running in on goal. And I thought it was fantastic. Brilliant play by Darwin Nunez. Um, great explosiveness from Cody Gakpo and Mohamed Salah to get into the box and a very good finish. But 100%, I think Derby games, um, they can galvanise your season. Liverpool have struggled this season, but now they'll be sniffing an opportunity to get into this top four race. I know there's still a long way to go. Um, they're still quite quite far off. Newcastle, but it's a massive game um, that in in the next uh, Premier League weekend when Newcastle played Liverpool. So I think if Liverpool can go there and get a victory, I think then, yeah, they're in the race uh, for Champions League qualification because with, for me, derby games are one-off. You can win them. Um, obviously, you have the fans backing you. Um, it's a special occasion. Everton, I know they got a great victory against Arsenal, but they're not in, they're not in the best of form right now. Um, it's going to take them time. It's going to take Sean Dyche time to slowly get accustomed to things at Goodison Park. But yeah, if Liverpool can um, come back strong with another victory against Newcastle United, 
then I think they're bang on for this top four race because all the momentum will be back at Anfield. The players will start believing. Jurgen Klopp will start believing. Um, so yeah, it can galvanise the season, but I think the big game for me will be against Newcastle United. I suppose a big thing for Liverpool going into that game is the fact that Cody Gakpo is now off the mark as well. Much maligned since his move uh, from PSV Eindhoven in the January transfer window. Uh, but finally got his first goal for Liverpool. Admittedly, he won't score, uh, you know, much more easier goals probably in his Reds career. But it's that proverbial one, isn't it? it? It doesn't matter how they go in, just that they do. Once you get that first one, then goals two, three, four, five and six hopefully start following very quickly afterwards. 100%. Um, to be fair, even though I'm not a Liverpool fan, I was hoping and I was praying for him that VR then disallowed that goal because it was a, it was a close one, to be fair. But yeah, I'm happy for him. Um, I saw him a few times this season um, when Eindhoven played Arsenal. Um, he didn't have the best of games, if I'm honest. Um, I was really quite impressed with the likes of Gavi Simmons. But confidence is a big thing. Um, and he's grabbed that goal. And potentially, who knows, he can he can go on a goal-scoring spree because it, it, there's a lot of comparisons being made with Sadio Mane. Liverpool's front line has completely changed now. You've got a different... Um, attacking force obviously Mohamed Salah is still there Diego Jota has suffered with injuries Luis Diaz has suffered with injuries um, who's come from Benfica um, I think in, in certain games he's, he's had a good spell but in some games he's not looked himself so Cody Gakpo a lot of pressure a lot of onus will be on him but he's grabbed his goal um, the confidence will do him the world of good you saw the reaction after he scored it was just a sense of relief he spoke a few days ago um, about how he had offers um, from Chelsea, from Manchester United, but his heart was always set on Liverpool. Ruud van Nistelrooy guided him as well with this move. So yeah, fair play to the kid. I think he's got his goal um, and I would it wouldn't surprise me if he grabs uh, a couple more in, in the forthcoming weeks. For sure. And another man who uh, managed to get a, a bit of a monkey off his back in terms of uh, goals is Mohamed Salah as well. So often since he's come to the Premier League, we've used to him being in the hunt for the golden boot. This year, completely different. The goals haven't flowed as much as he would have liked, as much as Liverpool would have liked. But again, getting that goal last night could be crucial in this, you know, what are we looking towards now? Are we, are we saying it's the running towards the end of the season? What is it? You know, three, three and a bit months between now and, and, and obviously the end of May when the season finishes. So Liverpool having Salah back in form, back in goal scoring form, again, could be quite crucial as they look to claw back that deficit to the top four. 100%. If I'm honest, uh, I took Mo Salah out of my FPL team, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, I thought well, in the past few weeks, he struggled a lot. And when he signed that new contract, however much it was, 300000 a week or whatnot, uh, I was a bit sceptical because I've seen it before with the likes of Meza Ozil. You've seen it with big stars. When they get these big bumper contracts, will they be the same player? Um, I think he struggled in that side of things, but I think he struggled also by the fact that he's missed Sadio Mane. I think he's missed him a lot. Sadio Mane, when he was playing alongside him, he used to allow Mohamed Salah to get that space because at times Mane would occupy his side and then the defenders would divert. So there was two options, but this time it's only Mohamed Salah. So a lot more owners and defenders are targeting him, if that makes sense. But yeah, if Liverpool have an opportunity to get into the Champions League next season, Mohamed Salah needs to kick on in these final three or four months. Because um, if he does go on a goal-scoring run, if he is the Mohamed Salah that we know in past seasons, then Liverpool will be there and thereabouts. But if it's the Mohamed Salah we've seen for majority of the season, I think Liverpool will struggle. 
because again, we speak about Cody Gakpo. He's a new recruit. Darwin Nunes is a new recruit. Uh, obviously, Diego Jota, he returned uh, against Everton, but Luis Diaz is still out. So Liverpool have problems in, in the attacking lineup, but Mohamed Salah, he, he knows how to score goals. He's a quality footballer, world-class um, professional. So yeah, if Liverpool have a standard chance of getting in, back into the Champions League next season, um, I, I think I think your score will go on a goal-scoring run, but I think it won't be enough to get back into the Champions League, if I'm honest. Talking of uh, attacking prowess or perhaps a lack of, um, just switching the focus to Everton there. No Dominic Calvert-Lewin for them yesterday, so they had to start with Ellis Sims up top, but... I was intrigued by a line from Leon Osman in commentary where he suggested that Damari Gray, who obviously isn't a, an out-and-out centre-forward, is more of a, a kind of an inside winger, somebody cuts inside. And, and we've seen it before. He does score outrageous goals. Unfortunately for you being an Arsenal fan, there's one in particular that probably does stand out from his uh, from his back catalogue. But Leon Osman suggesting that, suggesting that Sean Dyche had perhaps got it wrong with his tactics in playing Ellis Sims up front. Uh, a young man still finding his way in the game, had been on loan at Sunderland earlier in the season, comes back. Um, leads the line in a derby, it was perhaps maybe a bit too much pressure on him. And and you kind of wonder if Sean Dyche, especially against the Liverpool team, that was out of sorts, having won, sorry to remind you of it as well, but a, a non-Damari Gray goal-scoring Everton performance the week before against Arsenal, um, getting through and getting that win the previous week and, and trying to build on that, maybe missed an opportunity there perhaps. Yeah, I know there was an injury situation with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, so that was out of Sean Dyche's hands. Um, I think if Calvert-Lewin is fit, he would have started. Um, however, you've got a good striker on the bench um, with Neil Mopé. Um, I know he's struggled in terms of goals. He's probably scored one in his last 20 or so games. So he has struggled um, to put the ball in the back of the net. But he's got Premier League pedigree. Um, you could call he's a nuisance in terms of hassling defenders, um, causing problems. I saw it last weekend against Arsenal. He came off the bench. And he got in the heads of the Arsenal players. Um, Arsenal, Alexander Zinchenko picked up a booking with that little scuffle towards the end of the game. So he would have added a lot more in terms of the physical aspect, um, hiring the likes of Joe Gomez, Matip. But I think it was a difficult um, proposition for, for the young striker Sims um, because derby games for me, they can go two ways. You can make yourself a hero as a young striker You've got nothing to lose. Maybe Sean Dyche was thinking in that aspect. We can throw this kid in. He's he's not going to be nervous. He's going to take it in. And if he scores a goal, great, fantastic. So I understand from that point of view why Sean Dyche has done it. Obviously, we're not privy to um, training week in, week out. Sims has probably made um, a good impact in training. And Sean Dyche has thought, yeah, why not chuck him in for this game against Liverpool? But on the other side of things, when you're up against proven defenders, defenders which have won Champions Leagues, which have won Premier League titles, it's a difficult prospect for any striker, let alone a young striker who's just coming into the game. So I thought he struggled, um, but I think these mistakes can happen. I think for, for Sims, it's going to be a learning curve. It's going to be a good experience. I think it's not a negative. I think he should take it as a positive because the fact that he's played in a derby, a Merseyside derby, it's going to do him the world of good. And uh, I'm sure he'll get uh, more opportunities in the near future. Yeah, the point there that you made about a youngster coming in and taking their chance, I think you look at the Liverpool team instead and obviously Stefan Bajetic uh, coming in and kind of playing well above his years last night, getting the man the match award, I think as well, wasn't it? So great performance from him. But obviously, as you said there, this seems 
should take confidence from the fact that the manager trusted him. Just um, on a wider point on the relegation battle, obviously Everton have recently changed their manager and brought Sean Dyche in to replace Frank Lampard. The previous week, we've seen Southampton and Leeds both sack their managers. Jesse Marsh potentially a quick return to management by the sounds of it at Southampton. Um, but you look at those teams around the bottom and those ones that are kind of a little bit closer to the relegation zone in terms of position-wise, maybe not so much in terms of points-wise because it's still very, very tight in that bottom half of the table. But you look at, you know, for me, a team like West Ham, they have been discussions and, and rumours suggesting that David Moyes' time was up and that they would be looking at a replacement. But when you see the other teams in the bottom uh, and in that relegation picture, as I said there, Everton, Leeds, Southampton, all recently changing their managers, does that maybe perhaps impact what those other teams, including West Ham, in that bottom picture, in that relegation fight, what they might do? You know, would they have otherwise kind of thought, well, we don't need to change a manager and now it's like these teams could get that that boost that a new manager always brings. We saw Everton obviously last week getting that victory against Arsenal. We might see Southampton and Leeds change under a new manager and, and get that and kick on. So does it impact perhaps what, what what others like West Ham might consider doing in the coming weeks? It's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma. I think um, a few weeks ago, I thought personally David Moyes was under a lot of pressure. I thought um, he could get the sack. Um, but I think in the past few weeks, They've got a bit of stability amongst their ranks. They picked up a very good point against Chelsea, another good draw that they um, got against Newcastle. So they seem to be um, getting, being more difficult to beat, if that makes sense. And I think when you're down in the relegation zone, that's the first thing you need to do. I think that happened last weekend um, with when Everton played Arsenal. They were difficult to beat. They were solid. They won their duels. Um, they were tough to break down. And I think West Ham in the past few weeks have done that. I think Southampton, for me, I think they're in trouble. I think they've made that decision to sack Nathan Jones. I think it was the right decision. I think he was out of his debt, if I'm honest. It was funny, to be honest, to watch in press conferences. He seemed like a, a very good character. But I look at the Southampton team and I personally think they made a mistake sacking Hassan Hutto, if I'm honest. I thought Hassan Hutto was achieving a lot. More, more, that you, more than you can ask, to be fair, with the Southampton team. You look at the Southampton team and it's a very young team, a very talented team. You've got the likes of Lavia, James Ward-Prowse, um, Che Adams. It's a young team when you look across the pitch, but they lack a lot of experience, I think. And for me, you need experience, you need calm heads, calculated players when the, when the going gets tough. And it will in these next few months. However, when you look at Leeds... Um, they picked up a good point against Manchester United in the first game that they played at Old Trafford. I thought on Ellen Road on Sunday against United, I thought for 60 minutes, I thought they were very good, if I'm honest. On another day, they could have probably won that game. But defensive issues come to fruition again for Leeds. And I think that's the same mistakes repeating itself. So if Jesse Marsh comes uh, in place um, in, in, to Southampton, potentially, but when you look at Jesse Marsh and what he done with Leeds, they were quite open. Um, and I think when you're when you're there and thereabouts, you look at what Nottingham Forest are doing, hard to break down. I thought they were shooing to get relegated personally, but they bought players, they've bought experienced players, they bought very talented players. You look at Danilo, who they've signed from the Brazilian league. They look like a team that could stay up. They've got a very good manager um, in Steve Cooper who knows um, Nottingham Forest uh, in and out. So I think this relegation battle is going to be intriguing in the upcoming months. But I, I, can't, I can't call it, if I'm honest. I think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. But yeah, 
I think West Ham right now, to answer your question, I think they keep David Moyes uh, because I think he's rallied the ship, if that makes sense. Um, the players are starting to, again, perform for him. And when you look at the players that they have, Declan Rice, Bowen, Antonio, you look at that centre-back that they have, oh, good. So it's a team that should stay up. But yeah, managerial bounce, it, it, does, it does come into play. Another race that we're perhaps going to see plenty of twists and turns in uh, before the end of the season is, of course, uh, the title race. And we'll probably see plenty of twists and turns in a game on on Wednesday night between Manchester City and Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. Um, you're, as, as I said at the top of the show, you, you appear on the Arsenal Way, brilliant uh, channel on YouTube. If you've not seen it yet, sure, check it out. Um, obviously, there is going to be an element of bias in this preview because we don't have a, a Manchester City person on. We might have someone pop up in the comments. I don't know if we might get lucky there. But in terms of this game, it was always going to be an important one on the horizon. But Arsenal going into it, you know, Mikel Arteta spoke after that game against Everton, after that defeat, and had said how important it was to win that next match against Brentford, get back on the horse quickly. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Winless in two, I think lots of teams would love to be winless in two in the Premier League. I know it sounds daft, but for a team chasing the title... This game against Manchester City probably takes on a lot more importance now than it did perhaps 10 days ago, given where the teams have gone in those 10 days. I know obviously City lost to Tottenham in that spell, but the gap could close down significantly. The pressure then comes piling on. It, it, the importance of this game seems to have gone up a notch, I think, with recent results. For me, it's a title decider. Honestly, it's a title decider. Um, and I know some people may think I'm crazy because you've still got 14, 15 games left of the season and a lot can happen. But when you look at this game, for me, it's the biggest game of the Emirates era as an Arsenal fan. Um, I've seen big clashes at home at the Emirates, played against Barcelona in the last 16, played Atletico Madrid, um, the Manchester United Champions League tie in 2009 was a big, was, was a big game. But when you look at this game, the amount of psychological aspects that can happen. If we win, I think it will give us a massive boost because people need to remember we've got a big clash against Aston Villa on Saturday. 12.30 Villa Park. It's going to be a tough, tough game. Aston Villa have conceded, what, seven goals in the last two games? They want to be hard to break down again. They're going to be defensively resilient and they're going to be a tough, tough team to beat. Obviously, we have the Unai Emery aspect as well to consider. So, however, if we do beat Manchester City, I can see us going on Saturday and having that mental boost, um, fe fe feeling like no one can stop us, no one can beat us, and we go to Villa Park and we win. However, if we lose, for me personally, I think the psychological impact that will have on these players, on this fan base, will be huge. Against Brentford on Saturday, it seems like, I was speaking to my friends earlier on this week, at the start of the season, as Arsenal fans, we were enjoying the ride, if that makes sense. We were like, yeah, this could be a special season, but whatever comes from it, we'll take it uh, as weeks go on. We'll just enjoy the ride. However, as Arsenal fans, we are now smelling the first Premier League title since 2004. And we're thinking, oh, wow, we can really win this thing. Liverpool are not having the best of seasons. Chelsea are not having the best of seasons. Manchester United have been very good this season, but we still have that margin on them. Tottenham, obviously a Tottenham fan, not having the best of seasons. So it's an opportunity 
And who knows when we may get this opportunity again. So I, I, I sense from the Arsenal fan base, there's a nervousness edging in. Um, we're starting to feel this title race. But I just think we need to get to a stage tomorrow night, get the fans back on side. It will be back on side anyway, but support the team. I remember when we when we beat Leicester at the start of the season, we beat them 4-2. William Saliba scored a known goal, but the fans didn't care. They rallied him on. They said, let's go again. We can win this game. It doesn't matter if you scored a known goal. When Tony scored from the weekend, moans and groans. It, it's, it's pressure. It's nervousness. These things happen. So it's going to be an intriguing, intriguing game. For me personally, if Arsenal play the way that they have for 80% of this season, they've been fantastic. Great to watch. Uh, I think at home, especially, they've been fantastic. If they can put the same performance in that they've done for most of the season, I can see them beating Manchester City. However, if there's nervousness, if there's edginess, if there's um, the players not believing in themselves, if we don't go full throttle, I can see Manchester City sniffing blood and I can see Manchester City taking the onus on this game and this title race. So it's an intriguing game for me. I think uh, we go into this game personally as underdogs and I think that, that that's good for us, if I'm honest. Um, it eases the pressure. I know a lot of pundits, um, fans, opposing fans will say, yeah, but you're three points in front of Manchester City. Manchester City are champions. They won this Premier League title for, for how many years? God knows how many years. They've done it. They've been there. They've got the experience. We go there as underdogs with that mentality of basically we don't fear no one and we go full throttle. But we just have to put in a great performance. I think the atmosphere is going to be rocking. We have to make your cauldron. And hopefully, as an Arsenal fan, we can get the three points. But yeah, I am nervous, if I'm honest. <laughs> I, I always love it when a guest uh, preempts my next question because I was about to ask um, who comes into this game under more pressure. But by the sounds of it, you're probably all the Man City. It's them, the, the chasers. They're, they're the ones that are under pressure. So we can skip that question. We can go to the next one instead on this section. In terms of the match, and you kind of touched on it there a bit, that there is going to be, you know, there is going to be nerves. There's going to be pressure on both sides. Does that then mean then that perhaps we're going to see a more cagey affair? You know, these 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 two teams are probably the most attractive teams in the Premier League this season in terms of how they play, how they get the ball down, how they build towards scoring goals. But obviously in these kind of title deciders, you kind of, and especially one at this stage in the season when there is a second one to come as well, it's almost like a kind of two-legged European tie this in, in terms of how quick the turnaround is between the games and that, you know, the, the first thing in that first game is probably don't lose, which if you had that mindset would perhaps lead to a more cagey game than we might otherwise expect from these two sides. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's intriguing because Manchester City on the weekend, um, I know they beat Villa 3-1 and it was a comfortable enough performance, but I saw areas of Manchester City's game where I think Arsenal can exploit. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the Arsenal fan base of potentially dropping Gabriel Martinelli for this game potentially bringing in uh, Trossard. However, I think we got unchanged. I think we keep the team that has got us this far, um, however many points, 50, 51 points uh, on the table so far. We go with the same team because I think in the past few games, Martinelli has struggled, but it's been against teams which have a low block. So Everton have a low block. Brentford had played a low block on Saturday. However, I can see Manchester City coming up against Arsenal going toe-to-toe. So... I think it's going to be an attacking game. I can I can see it being goals galore. 
Um, I think both defences will be troubled. Uh, when I look at Arsenal's defence this season away from home, they've been very solid. They've got great wins at Stamford Bridge. You go back to that performance at the Vitality against Bournemouth, fantastic performance. However, at home, I think we have been troubled. I think when you go back to that Fulham game when uh, Mitrovic scored, we, we look shaky. I think against Brentford, we look shaky again. Manchester United a few weeks ago, we looked defensively shaky. So we have to start getting into... Um, back, back to the how, how we were playing at the start of the season in terms of being hard to break down, defensively solid. But I think this game's going to be open. I think Pep Guardiola is not the type of manager to come in and be defensively assured. He's going to think that he can trouble this Arsenal defence and vice versa. Mikel Arteta will think, feel the same way because Arsenal fans and Mikel Arteta will be looking at, at this Manchester City team and will be thinking, we shouldn't fear them. And I don't think we should. And Manchester City will be, will be looking at the same way with this Arsenal team. So it's an intriguing matchup with both teams. So I don't think it's going to be cagey, if I'm honest. I think it's going to be full-flow attacking uh, football. And for the neutral, I think it's the perfect game to watch, if I'm honest. I wonder whether or not we might see Pep get into his own head again and, you know, pull St. Rogue out the bag with uh, Jack Greenleaf playing left wing back or something behind that. Um, just moving on to uh, the Champions League uh, as well before we go. Um it's obviously returning uh, this week. Tottenham in action against AC Milan on Tuesday night. Chelsea up against Borussia Dortmund on Wednesday. Uh, also got the Europa League as well, which will come on into a second. But in that Champions League and those two British teams, well, actually probably three of them, really. You know, we could chuck Liverpool into the hat as well. Obviously playing next week against Real Madrid. But for Tottenham and Chelsea especially, is the return to European football a nice distraction or an unwelcome one in terms of obviously the season you know, for Spurs, they seem to have hit a bit of a sticky patch at the minute, losing 4-1 uh, against Leicester at the weekend. Chelsea down uh, in 10th again after Liverpool's win last night. Only one win in five in the Premier League as well there. So the chance to focus on Saigals and and perhaps kind of get their minds away from where it's not worked for them in the Premier League and why it's not worked for them might allow them to kind of hit the reset button somewhat and, and hopefully, you know, much sure Liverpool might use the, the derby win as a galvanising point in their season. These two teams might look at progress in the Champions League, reaching the quarterfinals, perhaps a nice little run. There's something that can kind of complement a better end to the season than what's gone before. Definitely, definitely. I think um, Chelsea have struggled a lot this season. You look at the league position, uh, what, they're 10th currently in the Premier League standings. So it's evident that they've not had the best of seasons domestically. But Europe is different. You've seen in the past few seasons when they won the Champions League, they've got good pedigree in, in Europe. They know how to win games. But they're coming up against a tricky uh, proposition in Borussia Dortmund. I think away from home, it's always a tough, tough ground to go to. Um, the yellow wall, as everyone knows. Uh, it's going to be hotly contested. The atmosphere is going to be amazing. What, uh, 75, 80,000 in the crowd. So it's going to be a tough, tough game for Chelsea. Um, but when you look at Tottenham, I thought that game against Manchester City could have potentially been a turning point um, of their season. But it's been Tottenham, it's, they've struggled to basically follow it up with another win. Um, I thought that game against Leicester, um, it wasn't the best. Obviously conceding four goals for any team it is not a good look. But I think Tottenham have been unlucky with injuries this season. We've got that big injury to Benton Cole. For me, I think he's Tottenham's best midfielder. I think he's a sensational footballer. And I think they're going to really miss him uh, for, for the remainder of this season. Obviously, you've got uh, Basuma, who's out for two months with the ankle injury. He's had a stop-start season um, since arriving from Brighton. But now you've got a midfield of um, Skip and Saar potentially to play against Milan. Obviously, Hoiberg will be suspended for that game. 
So it will be an interesting one. I think good results for both English clubs will be going there and not losing, for, personally for me. Um, you bring them back to um, your home crowd and then you've got a great opportunity to progress into the quarterfinals. Um, so Graham Potter, Antonio Conte will be f- feeling the same thing. But when you look at AC Milan, um, in the past few results, they've not been the most convincing, if I'm honest. It seems like Napoli are running away, are running away with the Serie A title. Um, I think they've been fantastic this season. So I think it's, it will be a welcome distraction for Tottenham, for Chelsea. It'll be an opportunity to showcase the quality that we've not seen for, for most of the season domestically. Uh, I think Chelsea could struggle um, out of these sides. I think Dortmund, um, they're a very, very good team. And obviously it depends on how the first leg goes. However, I can see Tottenham getting a good result at the San Siro, if I'm honest. I think it will suit um, Tottenham playing against an Italian team. Obviously, Antonio Conte, we know we know how, how, how he's fully aware of how the, the Italian teams play. But I can see the likes of Kulazewski, Harry Kane, uh, Hyunmin Son causing AC, Milan's pro- uh, AC Milan problems defensively. So it'll be interesting, but I, I know you'll be watching it as a Tottenham fan. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, forget Valentine's Day if the wife and watching rom-coms. I'll be, uh, I'll be sat watching Spurs. Um, just finally, before we go, though, of course, Thursday night, the return of the Europa League, but a tie that really doesn't feel like it belongs there somewhat. Barcelona and Manchester United uh, in action, uh, uh, and it just serves up memories of, of brilliant ties between them in the past. Two absolute giant heavyweights of European football as well. And the best thing is, is that we get two matches between them in, in the space of a week, which is obviously for the neutrals phenomenal. Where do the two teams sit, though, in terms of the Europa League being a priority? I know Eric Ten Hag has spoken about, you know, the seven or what is it, since since 2017, is it? So the six years, I think, that Man United have gone without winning the trophy, which obviously was that that year that Jose Mourinho won the double, the, uh, the, the League Cup and the Europa League. Eric Ten Hag could replicate that this season. He wants a trophy, at least anyway. But where they are in the Premier League and, and what the top four means to them, potentially even still in the outside bet for the title, and likewise Barcelona going for it in La Liga and looking well set for a title there, Whilst we're kind of looking at this on paper going, it's a really mouthwatering time, it's going to be nice and, you know, one for the neutrals. Is there a chance that both teams' eyes might be elsewhere and we might see a bit of a jab affair with two, you know, not reserve 11s, but not necessarily best strongest either? Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one because when I looked at Manchester United's lineup uh, for the last game against Leeds United, uh, Ten Hag made a whole host of changes. Obviously, he, he brought in Harry Maguire alongside Luke Shaw in the heart of the defence. Martinez and Varane uh, were on the bench. So maybe he has one eye on this tie against Barcelona because it is an intriguing tie, to be honest. I think Barcelona this season, they've been fantastic under Xavi. Um, It seems like they are on course to win La Liga. Uh, Real Madrid don't seem the same Real Madrid of old. I think Carlo Ancelotti has struggled a lot this season. There was talk of potential sacking uh, before uh, they won the Club World Cup. Um, So it's an interesting tie, I think, um, this week. Um, I think both teams will go strong, if I'm honest. I think Xavi's the type of manager um, that will be focusing on trying to win this Europa League. Um, and Ten Hag is similar. Um, he'll think that if Manchester United can get over the line against Barcelona, you look at the rest of the draw, you look at potentially probably just Arsenal um, in that tie uh, that Manchester United potentially could struggle against. So an opportunity will present itself, I think, for this competition. And I know a lot of people say, oh, it's just a Europa League. At the end of the day, it's a European trophy. 
who wouldn't want it in the trophy cabinet? It's a trophy. It's not like a community shield or it's not like um, the old trophies of old. It's a, it's a very good trophy to win at the end of the season. So I think both teams will go strong. Um, hopefully for the neutral, it'll be an intriguing uh, contest. I know as an Arsenal fan, we're not in this um, stage of this tournament. So I'll sit back, I'll watch it. One of these teams will go out. Um, so it'll, it'll be a good opportunity for Arsenal. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think um, it, it should be a good match. So hopefully it'll be goals galore. I think you'll be hoping that the uh, the second leg ends up with both teams with five players, loads of suspensions if they ever draw after winner in subsequent rounds of the competition. Um, Umar, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time as ever. Uh, of course, if you liked what you heard from Umar, you can find more of him on the Arsenal Way on YouTube. As I said earlier, check it out. It's a brilliant, brilliant channel. Um, but of course, you can stay up to date with all the latest uh, from the Champions League, from the Premier League, the Europa League, even some transfers in there as well uh, across the Mirror, the Star and the Express. But for now, it's goodbye. <laughs>